This is the happy hour. You guys going to happy hour? Live from the Koppel Chevrolet GMC Studios in the heart of Lincoln, America. Yeah, I'll maybe I'll come for a couple. Here are your hosts, Nick Sainert. I want to know what it's like to commit a crime without having to spend time in jail. And Enrique Alvarez Clary. C is for chunk. Brought to you by Empire Fence and Netting on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. Welcome into the happy hour, 93.7 The Ticket. <laughs> Sorry, I had to move box box camera. I had to be a little louder there. I could have done that, I think. Yeah, it's fine. I just leaned over. <laughs> uh, you can get in touch with us. Honda of Lincoln Hotline, Sarder Heyman Text Line, 402-464-5685. Or hit us up on the Sarder Heyman Jewelers live video stream on Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, Twitter. We're everywhere. That's see right. our beautiful faces. See our smiling faces. You can listen to us. You can head to the 93.7 The Ticket app. Download that if you want. Hey, Alexa, play 93.7 The Ticket. You can do that, too. That's been there a while. Yeah, that's a good app. I am not, I'm not apologizing to anybody if it just started playing. You're welcome. Uh, <laughs> happy Hour, sponsored by Empire Fence and Netting in Waverly. They bring your best ideas to life. From concept to completion, your project is their priority. Get a quote today by visiting empirefence.com or call 402-682-7658. I am not joined by Nick Sainert. Nick Sainert no. is still out fishing, doing whatever he's doing. Probably listening to the radio. Probably. I hope station, he is. And Nathan Brennan is in Stillwater. Well, maybe on his way. He might be in Stillwater already getting checked into his hotel. I don't know what he's doing exactly. I hope so. He's supposed to join me in yeah, like an he'll, hour. So. He'll join us in the second segment is what he let me know. Oh, he is. Okay, cool. But I am joined by one Jake Bakovin. That's right. Everybody say hi. Welcome, Jake Bachman, to the happy hour. <laughs> I stopped in for a brew yesterday. <laughs> Not a brew necessarily, but for for the best for one of the best segments, you know. Yeah, this tip jar. It was fantastic. But, and while you're giving your shutouts too, Good Sense Friday. Oh, it is Good Sense Friday. It was delicious. delicious. I ate my sandwich while it was still hot. I actually got to eat my sandwich while it was hot. Yeah, for like the first time in a while. Usually, I eat it when it's cold. <laughs> You've been busy Very today, sad. though. Ah, uh, yeah, a little bit. Same as yesterday. It's yeah. it's just a thing. It happens. It's fine though. Yeah, we're it's we're okay. Summer radio, and I know we're not quite to summer, but summer radio, you'll notice people jumping in and out because there's not a whole lot of sports going on. So no, that's the best really. time to jump around. But yeah, if you so if you are if you are going to watch or want to keep up with Husker softball, who plays North Texas today at five down in the Stillwater Regional. Follow 93.7 The Ticket on Twitter, at 937 The Ticket, and Nathan Brennan will be live tweeting all the happenings down in Stillwater from that account. So follow at 93.7 The Ticket on Twitter, turn on the notifications, and you will get everything that you want from softball regionals from Nebraska taking on North Texas. It's going to be a blast for the ladies. Hopefully they can they can go into that regional and, and, and take themselves to the Super Regional, wherever that may be. Yeah. Probably Clemson, because that's that's where you would match up with. That's what I'm thinking though. Is if they if Clemson loses their regional, I looked that up. The I don't know who the, the Auburn is the two seed in the Clemson regional, so that's I don't a, know if they're a, a higher. I don't know if they're a higher two seed than Nebraska is. But my thought process is if Clemson loses, Nebraska gets to host a super regional. I could be wrong. Yeah, don't quote me on that. But that would be amazing. That'd be awesome. Yeah. That would be fantastic. Pack bowling. So. Yeah, everybody, go on watch some watch some Husker softball. But right now we're going to 
talk a little a little bit since everybody's really been talking about it. Jimbo versus Saban and a hit on Jordan Addison going from Pitt to USC like everybody thought months ago. But then Texas snuck their, themselves in there yeah. uh, at the last second and tried to, made tried to bid, pry him away. Made a bid? I don't know what the bid would even be. <laughs> if USC offers $3 million, what does three million a house, whatever the heck else USC was offering? What does Texas offer that could even get your attention? Well, they, I mean, he would have been that would have been fun. I mean, I'm glad he's at USC. That'll be fun too. But uh, Texas with with Quinn Ewers and Xavier Worthy and Vijan Robinson, um, you can imagine a dynamic offense, and that's pretty much in in both cases where USC and Texas, um, you know, they've kind of got their powers up, they're flexing their arms, but it's all kind of <laughs> offense right now. So they're just gonna have to outscore everybody. Yeah, well, I mean, they got a did they, ah, no, they didn't get any defense players, I don't think. But yeah, they're it's I mean, it's a Lincoln Riley offense. He's kind of bringing that 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 Oklahoma Big Twelve type style to the Pac twelve. It's not like they didn't do that already. Yeah, I, I don't know Should fit in which conference well. has worse defense. <laughs> Pac-12 or Big 12? Well, the Big 12's defense has actually been improving over the last couple of years as we've uh, as Nate's kind of <laughs> booted and we kind of looked it up. Oklahoma State's been good, Iowa State's been good. So, there's been some there's been some improving defenses. Um Pac-12 it's it, you know, they have Utah and Stanford. There's a few of them, yeah, usually that Usually, I mean, those are those are the hard-nosed like Stanford Stanford is like a Big 10 team in the Pac-12. Not with like the exact players, but they run like the similar kind of offense where they're going behind their pads and and running the ball right at you. And boy have they disappeared. I didn't look at the college football uh, rankings. I didn't look search out for David Shaw, but that was one time a guy that the NFL was heavily in after and mm-hmm. you know when they had Andrew Luck or Christian McCaffrey or you know the kind of that era um, and even before and kind of after, you know, he took over after Jim Harbaugh. But in any case, um, in that era, he was like a top 10 coach without a doubt. And Every, now he's just kind of disappeared. Everybody wanted David Shaw and you haven't heard much from Stanford and David Shaw. I mean, they've look, the Pac-12 has, has gone, you know, a little further to the north with Oregon taking over USC probably on the comeback. You know, they're switching back and forth between teams. There's not really there hasn't really been a powerhouse outside of Oregon in the Pac-12. And even then, I you, I don't think they've. I, Washington was in the college football playoff once. Yeah, and I think and Oregon Washington. hasn't and won a title. Yeah, so Oregon. You know, it's hard to say a powerhouse, but for Pac-12 standards, yeah, yeah. for Pac-12. I mean, because Oklahoma's a big. They're in the they're in the top powerhouse. fifteen year in and year out yeah. for the most part, except for those years where they drop out of it. But the addition of Jordan Addison to USC just just takes them to another level. Caleb Williams tossing it to the Bolitnikoff Award winner. And I, I've seen questions on Twitter: Can he become the first two-time back-to-back Bolitnikoff Award winner since? Des Bryant, hmm. I think is what it was, or it might have been Michael Crabtree. One of those two, one of the Big 12 receivers the, who made it to the oh, NFL. What an error and, that was. And, and, you know, one of them didn't do much, and the other one was pretty good. Who, who are you saying to me? Dude? Michael Crabtree was not Crabtree good Crabtree was not, like, as Crabtree, good as he was in college. He's no. one of the best college wide receivers ever, but he had, like, a 10-year career. Crab, Crabtree wasn't very, no. The only thing I remember from Crabtree is is Richard Sherman. Yeah. When you try me with a sorry receiver like Crabtree, that's the result you're going to get. Well, he is a sorry receiver. But other than that, <laughs> that he had a pretty good a, career. was okay. That yeah. was the highlight of his career. It does, yeah, no, I'd say Crabtree had a When good the career. highlight of your career is is somebody – that was Justin Blackman was back-to-back. Oh, not, talk about somebody that didn't have You want to talk about a guy who didn't do much. I, I will just always defend Crabtree, mostly because I'm more of a college football fan. Um, but that that catch against Texas, um, and just you know that was that was there. There's a few years there. It's just like seemed like peak college football. Texas to me. fans see that catch and are just like, he was out of bounds. I swear, he stepped out. His heel, <laughs> his heel went down. I swear. <laughs> that was a that was a wild moment in college football. But 
Hey, Crabtree did win the Blitnikoff two years in a row. Did he? Was Blackman after that? I don't know which one came first. Yeah, I think he would have been a little bit after that. I know Black Blackman was the one that got... No, that was Des Bryant. Got in trouble for having dinner with Deion Sanders. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to Deion Sanders for just being everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> you can go back in history and find Deion. So, okay. So, you you, me and VJ were, were talking about the transfer portal. How do you feel about the one-time transfer you know, options for the transfer portal? I think again, it. I think it's done with the best intentions of having, um, you know, kind of player mobility and, uh, but it's not it in combination with NILs where you get the problem, right? The, I think the transfer portal's similar to the NIL, where it's like in its uh, truest form or the or the intent before you kind of get into what's gone wrong when you combine the two, is if a guy's made the wrong decision. I mean, I would definitely, I mean, there's plenty of kids that go around and pick the wrong college. They don't know what they want to major in yet. You know, when you're, when you're 17, 18 years old, um, maybe you move away. You want to go back home, all that stuff. I don't want to limit a kid um, and, or make him sit out a year if that's the situation. But when you combine it with NIL, obviously then it's okay. Well, then you get one chance to have, be a free agent to throw yourself out there and try to get get the money involved and i don't know uh, you know a lot of people are, are pretty against that i don't i don't have a problem with jordan addison the blitnikoff award winner caleb williams it's a different way um than we've seen in the past of building a team um but i think it makes it quite exciting um for what we're going to see this upcoming year with usc not just that but let's not act like this hasn't really benefited nebraska i mean nebraska lost a big class of talented players, um, and some of them went early or didn't take their extra COVID year or whatever. But to be able to to you know pick apart not just O'Shawn Matthews and Casey Thompson, I mean, you can just go on and on and on what this team would look like if all these guys had to sit out a year. Trey Palmer, Deshaun Singleton, yeah, everybody. This is, it's a massive amount of players that Nebraska has retooled that their their offense and defense with. That if the one time transfer wasn't available. I don't know how much confidence I would have in this team to win very many games at all. No, I don't think so. I mean, you know, they might I'm trying to think like a Devin Drew, maybe you could get graduate transfer. You might get a few of those guys. Yeah, you get a couple grad. And I don't the do the JUCO transfers. You don't, you don't have to sit out a year. No, you don't have to sit out a year there. So maybe Deshaun um, Singleton would have been okay. You Tommy Hill wouldn't have been. Yeah, the, you know, a big name that you're talking about. Hunter Anthony's got his final year. I don't know if he. It, it depends on if these yeah. guys graduated. But too, even then, like that's there. there's very few of the transfers that you brought in this year would have been able to play this year. And that would have been rough yeah, for Nebraska, at least for Nebraska this coming season. Well, I think the fear too is altogether that this free agency thing, which is, you know, a few people um, kind of dipped their, their name out there and went to the transfer portal. Um, and obviously there's the, the downside of it where some guys never found a spot, but you kind of have to know what you're doing when you're getting in there. Um, but the, but the, the other thing is, you know, with Caleb Williams and Jordan Addison and just some of these other big names that, that have done it, um, I feel like that's going to be light compared to the future, right? Like as the more time goes on with this current structure, the more people have a big year, not quite NFL ready, and are you know going to take advantage of what they've done. Mm -hmm. um, so I think you could see free agency hit a little bit more. Again, it just kind of depends on how much you like that, or you know that it's different than what college football has been in the past. Yeah. Um, but I'll continue to say, regardless of what happens with the structure, the college football playoff, um, you know <laughs> how many teams are breaking away from the others, whatever. Ultimately, when Oklahoma 
and Texas meet on the field with those brands, that's what you're interested in. Um, so it's going to be different no matter what as we move forward. I mean, it's a mess right now. The ACC doesn't know what they're doing to, de- to determine a champion. The Big Ten's in the middle of it. The Pac-12 just changed their mind. The SEC's adding Texas and Oklahoma in a few years. So the Big 12 doesn't know, do, you know, do we have one-year, 14-team divisions? And then, I mean, it's, so it's all kind of a mess right now. And no year really is going to look similar to the next one. Um, but, uh, you know, and, and I don't know if that's ever going to settle down. I am excited for the changes in college football. Yeah, I think every year there's going to be changes and there's, you know, you just kind of got to roll with it, but ultimately I understand the fear of letting this thing get out of hand, as they say. But I, I just – I don't see a big problem with what's going on, and some people do. Some people get more – you know, all the coaches are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, all the, I, a I'm lot of the administrators for, are. I'm all for all this, and I, if you were listening earlier, I, I – I'm all for the one one time free transfer. I'd, if you want to transfer after your one time and you think no, you're not going to be immediately eligible. You got to sit out that year. But one time free transfer, I think there's plenty of situations where that that could benefit a player, could benefit you know a team in 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 certain situations. So these these changes that are happening with college football, I I love them and I'm looking forward to all of this. You know, the Big Twelve, as you said, might have 14 teams when they bring in BYU, UCF, Cincinnati, Cincinnati, yep. and, and uh, Houston. Yeah. And that's that's going to be fantastic. They get to play with Texas and Oklahoma for a year before they head <laughs> off to the SEC. The Pac-12, as you said, is going to like a pod system or whatever yeah. it is. And and I'm interested to see how many other conferences do that. The ACC is tinkering with a with a two four four or a four two two or whatever the heck kind of kind of method. Sounds like some type of defense, but it's a it's a <laughs> method for playing games. Like oh, let's go to a four two two. It'll be great. We'll stop everybody. <laughs> it's fantastic. I love these changes, and it's just going to make the game that much more interesting. Although it'll take. <laughs> With one change, it'll take a couple years to get used to it, and by that time, there's going to be four more changes. Yeah. And that's going to be slightly annoying, but at the same time, extremely exciting and something that I, I really can't wait for. Well, and I think part of it, too, is the, the, the uneasiness from the traditional college football fan. I've, I've long been that guy um, that, uh, that you know, likes to stand up. And, and like I said, maybe, you know, I, I like kind of peak 2006, 7, 8 football. <laughs> that was awesome. Oh, yeah. But in, in any case... Um, I think part of the reason why maybe I'm not so worried about change is that this isn't what I grew up to begin with. Nebraska's, you know, I know it's been 10 years since Nebraska's been in the Big Ten, but when they did that, you know, that was ground shaking to me. I mean, that was changing to where you couldn't, um, you know, make the drives to Lawrence, Kansas and Manhattan, Kansas and, you know, go see Nebraska play, uh, you know, Missouri at Farrow Field or, mm-hmm. you know, you know, Iowa State's not too far off. All that sort of thing. So you completely change the blueprint. You completely change what Nebraska's been historically. Now I don't care so much about changes because <laughs> it's not it's not the football that I grew up with to begin with. You're, so might as well just why don't we like change it for the better for everybody? Yeah, the main thing that you were concerned about changed already, so it doesn't matter. The rest of it doesn't matter. Yeah. It doesn't. Texas playing Texas having to go to Florida and play Florida doesn't affect me in the slightest. I don't have to go. I don't have to make a flight or drive from Austin to Gainesville. That's not my problem. And who doesn't? I mean, I know you might lo- not like the SEC. You might even dislike Oklahoma and Texas even more. But that conference is going to be awesome. I mean, I don't know. Like week in and week out, it's just LSU in Texas or Oklahoma and Georgia, and you have the traditional still Tennessee and Floridas and is Texas Oklahoma and I mean, it's just going to be nuts. Is Oklahoma going to compete for SEC championships off the bat, or is it going to take them a little bit? Are they going to have to start? Are they going to have to get the SEC like Texas A and M? They weren't recruiting. They weren't. They weren't competing for SEC championships right off the bat. It took a little bit. Granted, they had Johnny Manziel after a little bit, yeah. which kind of different, but you, you know, could argue is, whether is, they've competed for one to be. Yeah. Yet, like is Oklahoma so. going to be going to walk right into that? Granted they've, they've ran the big 12 for so long. 
Well, it's just hard to picture. Uh, obviously, they're a program in flux. I really like the Brent Venables hire. Um, he's one one of the best defensive nine. Even though he's a defensive game. coach, even though 12? he's a defensive coach in the Big Twelve, <laughs> which Nate doesn't like. I don't. Which I don't understand to begin with. It's it. like if offense runs the Big Twelve, you better get somebody defensively yeah. in there. Just just go away from the mold. Stop hiring offensive coaches. Yeah. If everybody if everybody has a great offense, you know it would be really great if you had a great defense. And I wonder too what that offense is going to look like. Are they going to move too far away from what they've been running? I I wouldn't. No. It plus seems you've like got the you've got the you know the the uh, advantage of recruiting better athletes than everybody in the Big Twelve. Mm-hmm. That changes once you get to the SEC. Um, and it's hard to envision whether you know if you say well they plug them in the Big Ten West. Well, that might be kind of difficult. But is the Big Ten West going to be a thing? <laughs> we don't know. Um, so I think it would be similar to Texas A and maybe at a little bit higher level. Oklahoma's been a more stable program for quite some time there. But again, you don't know because right now Jim. Jimbo Fisher, much more proven head coach than Brent Venables. So. Yeah, speaking of Jimbo Fisher, uh, <laughs> him and him and Nick Saban still still beefing. You had the uh, Nick Saban audio from calling out Texas A and M and Jackson State and a Miami basketball player for uh, getting paid and how it's ruining the game. And Jimbo Fisher coming to the defense of, of his players, which really I don't think the players needed defending. I I believe that Nick Saban was coming after you and your university, so that's really who you should have been worried about. But I guess if you want to say that Nick Saban's going after 17-year-olds to, to, to make yourself feel better for going back at him, whatever. But Jimbo Fisher uh, <laughs> getting upset that Nick Saban is insinuating that he's paying players, which, by the way, is legal now. It's fine. Uh, and then Nick Saban... But again, it's the whole distinction between, well, is it Texas A&M doing it or, you know... I, I, and I get that, but at the sa- like at the same time, like it doesn't matter if it's Texas A&M or the boosters because he just said that you were paying your players with the NIL, and that's what his apology was. I should have said that it was NIL and not Texas A&M paying. Them right. It doesn't like look. The schools are paying USC from from what we've heard is USC is paying Jordan Addison. We didn't hear that it was the boosters. Uh, granted, when he gets there and when it comes out, it'll probably be like, oh, these multiple businesses are are putting this money into for Jordan Addison. He's going to do commercials for them, or he's going to make appearances, blah blah blah. But from what we heard before, it was USC offering Jordan Addison three million dollars, yeah, and, and nobody nobody said anything. Well, everybody said everything, but <laughs> the NCAA's didn't do anything, and and Saban accuses Texas A&M. Well, guess what? It technically it's legal, kind of, yeah. sorta. So you getting upset. And and trying to defend yourself and the university and these kids, like, just just relax, man. Like you don't. I don't understand why Jimbo got so upset when it seems as if Nick Saban is just jealous that teams are getting closer to what he's been building. Not yeah. saying that he's been paying players. I'm not. I'm not insinuating that. Whatever you want to say. Right. But you know the fact that Texas A&M got seven five stars and and beat. And beat Alabama last year, and, and again they beat them out for all of these five stars, and they're going to play him again. That maybe Saban's feeling a little threatened. Who knows? Well, I think that's part of it. And I think Dion was right more than anything when he said, you know, what what Saban was probably trying to do there more than anything was convince the Alabama boosters um, to be ready to compete at a higher level, right? I mean, just basically tell them we got beat out by Texas A&M because of their NIL collective. Mm-hmm. We're Alabama. We're not, and and again, you can be, you can say, well, you got the second best class. Number two is not good in Nick Saban's <laughs> world, and it really shouldn't be at this point because of how many times he's been number one, and he's regarded as the top head coach of all time. Um, and you know, I, I, I Jimbo can fire back at that all he yeah, wants. Whatever. It is what it is. Look at the records. He, I don't think he can really fire back at that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. So you know, I think that that's what that was more than anything, and then. Uh, yes, he did say, yes, you got to be careful with what you say, but, uh, you know, we do get caught up with the, you know, the headline rather than the context involved where Saban was talking for like 
10 minutes before he started to name others about NIL and kind of what's wrong and, um, you know, what needs to be fixed and what's appropriate. And everybody has their different opinions. And again, um, the coaches aren't necessarily going to be happy about this. I don't feel bad for the coaches. I know they're going to age more. I know the stress is going to be up, especially trying to retain your own roster and all that. Mm -hmm. But this is this is probably, you know, the, the amount of work that goes into being a coach to begin with, you know, you're just going to have to split your time differently. Um, but, you know, when you talk about roster management and the fear of it and all that stuff, like, yes, there has to be some parameters that's going to keep teams whole. But like they did, like the NCAA just did, um, you'll be able to find guys. If, if your roster gets just destroyed, you might not be, you know, take the best guys. But now you don't have you. You can take more than twenty five guys a class. So you know they're making they're making their tweaks. They're making their adjustments, kind of as it goes along. Um, basically, you know, based off the temperature of the room. And again, with with what Saban is saying, is that the in in like we've all been saying, the NCAA need, needed to be in front of this. Why isn't there anything ready? Uh, and Saban is saying is because they're getting sued or countersued for every move they make. So at some point. We just all acknowledge that the NCAA has probably not been, you know, when this move was was going to be made, it was going to be a mess. And here it is. It's a mess. But I still think it's for the better. And I think that eventually, you know, we'll get through it and try to figure out a better way. But to some, it's not going to be better because they want to see amateur athletics or, you know, whatever it is. Um, but, you know. It hasn't been amateur for a while. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's just been heavily favoring the universities and, and, you know, the people at the top rather than, you know, l giving too much back to the players. And now that the players are, are getting a piece of the pie, yes, it's a, it's a head, you know, case and it's frustrating for some of these coaches and stuff like that, but you get paid the big bucks to deal with it. <laughs> the trickle down effect was not real. Now it is. And people are upset. It's right. Look, a hundred thousand dollars for, for a college athlete is nothing compared to what some of the people at the top are getting. Oh yeah. So or compared to what you know they bring in if they're top oh, yeah. level players. If you if you want to pay them what they're what, what they bring in and you want to spread that out to, to all the players, I feel like it's going to be a decent a decent chunk of change. A hundred thousand dollars might not even be it. But then the other thing is too, I think we get lost in hearing that Jordan Addison is going to make three million, and then you know you go on to the next you know talking about this later. You're like guys are out there making three million dollars. Well, not everybody. No, and that's not even we don't know that for sure. He's the um, best wide receiver in college football. But like Saban said, even with his players, and it's you know I I don't think that only. Um, I think maybe through NIL. It's hard to kind of say how this is because, like we know, this has been underhandedly been happening for a long time. Oh, so yeah. now that it's just out in front of us, you know, I don't know if this is all the numbers that are involved there. But Saban's talking about Alabama, who's routinely a top five team, the best team, like we've been saying. And he said 25 guys on his roster got part of the, you know, into the NIL, at least majorly. That's, you know, that's not everybody. And I think we get lost thinking everybody's making yeah. $100,000. That's not the case. It's, it's yeah, like you said, it's not everybody. It's it's you're at some places. Nebraska kind of has it good. The entire offensive line got got a piece of the pie, got some nil. But at other places, the offensive line might not get anything. The defensive line not, yeah. might not get anything. It's going to be the big guys, the skill, the skill position players, the quarterback, the running back, the receivers, the corners, the safeties, the guys whose names you hear because they're making plays each and every each and every time they're on the field. You're not going to hear the only time you hear an offensive lineman's name is when something bad happens. Really, so I, I I get that and I understand, but at the same time, I feel as if there's going to be a, there are a lot more players who are getting some type of compensation on on teams such as Alabama. But that's that's just speculation. I'm not saying it is happening, but I just feel as if that that 
could be happening when you're getting five-star offensive linemen uh, each and every single year. But again, it's too it's it's not perfect, and nobody that that's kind of even pro what's going on it would say that that is because um, there still needs to be a lot of wrinkles worked out, and the Miami basketball team's just the best showcase for that right is like kind of like you know you just kind of think of it in nebraska standards um or any team i suppose if you have a really good defensive lineman but your cornerback room is completely torn apart the current defensive lineman that's returning you don't have to woo him you don't have to recruit him Mm -hmm. or maybe you should have to but in any case you're not right now so like the miami player that took him to the lead eight he just had to, you know, uh, some NIL laying around, but they needed the new guys. That was going to be a lot more. You kind of think that in football terms, too. You say offensive linemen aren't going to get a whole lot. Well, if you really need an offensive tackle and you're coming from the outside, so, you know, he gets all this big NIL deal. Meanwhile, your star wide receiver who's there and been on the team doesn't get the huge NIL deal because he's already seen as, you know, in, you know, on the team. Yeah, it's. It's a mess, but I love it. Yeah, I have zero. I get fun. It's not doesn't affect me. Doesn't hurt my wallet. Plus, it's great for uh, radio. College football is uh, can be a year round story. Now. This is fantastic. I love <laughs> it. But we're not talking college football up next. We're we're headed down to Stillwater, Oklahoma, All right. where our very own Nathan Brennan is hanging out in front of uh, what was he in front of in front of the football stadium. Is that where he was? He's been taking pictures of Barry Sanders. Yeah, he's out in front of Boone Pickens Stadium. It depends on where he sets up. Yeah, he's just hanging out with a Barry Sanders statue. No yeah. big deal. So we're going to go down to Nathan Brennan in Stillwater, Oklahoma, and he's going to let us know uh, what it's like down there for Husker softball as they take on North Texas in their first matchup in the Stillwater Regional. Up next on the Happy Hour on 93.7 The Ticket. Follow Nick and Enrique on Twitter at Nick underscore Sainert and at Radio Rico AC. More of Happy Hour is next on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com.